Hi everyone, I'm Liam Sanyo from Inside Scientific, your favorite online source for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content helping you do your best work. This episode of Expert Answers features Dr. Weishi Liu, Senior Chemist and Study Director at Geordi Labs. Recently, Dr. Liu joined us to present a strategy for extractables and leachables analysis using a multi-detector strategy using LCMS, GCMS, ultraviolet and charged aerosol detection, and flame ionization detection. Let's get right into it. So, Weishi, what do you feel is the core advantage of the multi-detector approach as opposed to a larger UFs? Sure, certainly. So, as earlier discussed, the core advantage of the multi-detector approach is really to use the synergies between or among all detectors to provide better coverage. So, uh, a larger UF can certainly get us to a better coverage, but there's some fundamental limitation to larger UF, specifically the method sensitivity. Uh, so when, when we are looking at a, a device which is, for example, permanent implant and a, a DBT of 1.5 microgram per day, and it can cause a lot of challenges to the, to the analytical method due to the sensitivity issue. So in those cases, a large concentration factor has to be applied to the sample, and sometimes it's not even achievable. Uh, so in contrast, the multi-detector approach would provide a better coverage uh, for compounds that respond poorly on one certain detector, but that can be compensated um, by a, a different detector, by a different principle. Uh, so that's really the core benefit of a, a multi-detector approach. And by our study, we did notice that uh, as I uh, showed in the previous few slides that the multi-detector approach provides similar coverage with a UF of three as compared to uncertainty factor of 10 when using a mass spec only approach. Fantastic. Great answer. And here's a question. I think you talked about this a bit in your presentation, but can you just clarify what role databases play in the multi-detector strategy? Yeah, sure. In our opinion, the database plays two vital roles in the multi-detector strategy on, or maybe in a lot of ENDO analysis. The first role is really to determine the method response distribution. So we think it's important to evaluate or to determine your method distribution, and that can be achieved by a database. What we, we recommend the lab do is to run or analyze a wide range of compounds covering a wide range of physical chemical properties, and then to determine the, the response factor distribution. The benefit or the use of this is to determine a suitable surrogate standard for ENDO analysis or to determine the AET. Another important role is more for quantitation. So the database or response factor database can be utilized to correct for a response factor variation if that compound is included in that database. So that's the two major role for a database in a multi-detector approach or in many other like non-multi-detector approach as well, in our opinion. Excellent. All right. Here's a, a good question. How do you know that the standards chosen, the 217 of them, to determine RRF factors are sufficient? 
This, this is a great question. When we chose the 217 standards, our main consideration is to cover a wide range of chemical physical properties, uh, including, you know, things like molecular weight, pKa, uh, or boiling points. This is really to challenge our method and then also to um, consider different detector principles. For example, the, the CAD is really dependent upon the volatility of the compound. So we really want to include a wide range of boiling points in our study. However, granted that there's, it's a very daunting goal to, to tell if 217 compounds or standards are sufficient because our goal is really to cover the universe of extractables and leachables. However, what we did that I wanted to also emphasize is that we didn't stop at 217 compounds. Instead, we grow at that our response factor database. So we tested additional standards, hundreds of additional standards. And what we did there was that we kept monitoring the response factor distribution on when we adding more standards. What we noticed was that the distribution didn't change. So this is a very encouraging finding and also a, a strong evidence showing that the original 217 compounds is representative enough for the distribution determination that the adding more standards didn't uh, really change that distribution. Fantastic. Great answer. Here's a good question here. Was there any commonality within the last percent of compounds that were not captured when the uncertainty factor is equal to two? This is a great question, and I can only maybe comment on based on our experience because this is very method dependent. But for the more challenging compounds, uh, I would say that in a simpler way, we we found those are typically volatile compounds and also has some acidity or like acid or base compounds. Uh, which does not um, perform extremely well, a GC method as well. So see, and also those are the compounds which do not have chromophore. So in our experience, if any compound contains any chromophore, uh, even double bond, they can, you know, respond reasonably well on a UV detector. If they have a boiling point above 400 C Celsius, they would have reasonable response on a CAD. And uh, that's if they have or if they perform relatively well on a GC column, most of the time it's a DB5 column, then they would have reasonable response on a GC detector so or GC method. So the compounds that we have, we, we found very challenging are the ones which does not contain chromophore, which does not have a, a good volatility and which does not perform extremely well on the on the GC. So that leaves a very, I would see a, a small gap on the coverage, which would be volatile acid and base. Fantastic. Great answer. Here's an interesting question. How do you handle this approach when using destructive detectors like MS or CAD? If I answer this question or interpreted the question correctly, this is really to ask how to handle sample if they are for a method that is destructive, so the sample is not recoverable. What we do here at Jordi, and I, I think uh, important is that for multi-detector approach, we really want it to be an inline approach, which means that you do one injection and then you obtain 
signals from uh, multiple detectors from that one injection. So you have the same chromatogram, and then you you obtain multiple signals from different detectors. In that way, it doesn't matter if it's destructive or not. And also you can make reasonable correlation of the signals, different detectors. Perfect. All right, next question here. You mentioned the use of ProFinder software and MPP. Uh, So how are you using this data then to determine quantitation? This is a great question. So in our opinion or through our method, the ProFinder and MPP is really to tell uh, which signal is unique to the matrix or the control and also to sort out all of the mass features that we need to proceed with the identification. And then to my previous points or previous slides, we do not recommend using mass spec um, for any quantitation work. So instead, we will use CAD and UV for the quantitation. Since this is, is an inline method, uh, we get signals, multiple, multiple signals, i.e. CAD, UV, and mass spec through one injection and one chromatogram. Uh, we were, we are able to correlate the mass spec signal with the UV CAD signal for quantitation. So we are not really utilize MPP or Profinder to do the quantification work unless it's a, you know, a mass spec, uh, formal quantitation. Instead, we will do or make the correlation between mass spec signal to the CAD UV signal for quantitation uh, using UV and CAD detectors. You mentioned that labs should confirm reasonable accuracy for a range of compounds. Uh, So what do you recommend labs do for confirmation? This is a great question. Uh, Well, I think different labs, depending on their setup, there are multiple ways. Um, But I think the uh, ultimate goal here is to verify method accuracy to the, the, the compounds that may not contain in the database through a, their default, you know, surrogate standard quantitation. So, for example, what Jordi did was to evaluate the quantitation accuracy using surrogate standard quantitation or following our, you know, our default strategy uh, through optimized detector and standard selection, and then compare that value, the surrogate standard value, approach value, to a formal quantitation value. So we get, you know, an accurate assessment of how how accurate our method is. What we recommend the lab do is to taking a similar approach or at least to verify their method accuracy by, by, by such comparison or contrast. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you'll tune into future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work and share science. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next time.